Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It is another edition of Phillies Today. I'm your host, James Seltzer. It is Wednesday, June the 3rd. As we continue to trudge along and, um, you know, again, I, I always say that we hope to here provide a, a distraction. We're talking a little baseball. Hopefully having fun at times. There's not been a lot of fun lately, but um, obviously there's so much going on in the world right now, and you know how I feel about it. I've talked about it, but, um, you know, thoughts and prayers with everyone who's affected by something right now as there is so much to be affected by. And um, I think that's what makes this this whole thing where every day we have to come in and talk about baseball and these millionaires and billionaires fighting over money and publicly fighting over money and how frustrating and upsetting it gets and how tired I think we all are of it. Um, the long-term impact is on baseball if, if things don't get worked out, which I have not allowed myself to believe possible. As, as you know, I'm, I'm trying to remain optimistic, but again, it's harder and harder with each day with more news and all that. But um, I want to talk about that tomorrow, I think, the idea of, of what it would mean. Buster only had a really good article about that. We'll talk about that tomorrow. But today, um, more about trying to find the middle ground um, some news uh, just a little bit ago today, Ken Rosenthal tweeting out, um, and this was expected, but but not, um, but still uh, uh, frustrating, but, but expected MLB tweeting out that officially MLB has rejected the union's proposal for a 114-game season and said it would not send a counter. Sources tell The Athletic, the league said it has started talks with owners about playing a shorter season without fans and is ready to discuss additional ideas with the union. So, you know, good that they're still willing to talk to the union. Hey, wow, how about it? Um, look, and, and in a minute, I want to get into it. Jesse Rogers uh, the other day wrote a really good article on ESPN um, talking about the, the how to figure this out. You know, and uh, he said fewer games, salary deferrals, where MLB players and owners could find a middle ground on the 2020 season. I want to get into that in a minute because I do think that is obviously clearly relevant to this discussion. But, man. Every day that goes by with acrimony and animosity and the lack of progress, especially when today we find out that tomorrow the NBA is going to ratify their proposal. They're coming back. The M- quote-unquote from Woj, the NBA's back, quote-unquote. We've heard about the NHL, the progress they've made. And we sit here as baseball fans, the sport that everyone in the world thought was going to be the first one back of these major sports and they're lagging behind these other two and look they could still be back first again if they can find some something to bridge this gap and meet in the middle and figure something out then they could still be back first but man the NBA and the NHL have shut up and figured it out and granted it is a different situation Major League Baseball has a full season to worry about as opposed to just teams coming back for essentially the playoffs or what it looks like with you know the NBA going to have a few extra games uh, to finish out the season with some clubs on the uh, outside of the postseason having a chance to make it in and all that type of stuff. But 
Still, the NHL and the NBA have shut up, gone behind closed doors, figured it out, and are going to come back and play. And Major League Baseball has used the media and the public to make this an argument between millionaires and billionaires, a public argument between millionaires and billionaires. And it's just so upsetting. As someone who's a, a baseball first guy, I mean, you know, you listen to this show if you've ever listened to the show. If you've never listened to the show, let me tell you, baseball is my favorite sport by far. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a baseball first guy. It is my favorite sport. It's not even a question. There is no question. You know, it's, it's just what it is. It's my sport. And to see my sport, and look, I've never been under the delusion that the players and the owners, you know, Major League Baseball and the Players Association are, are not some sort of acrimonious relationship. We all know. We know the history. We know the animosity there on both sides. But I would have thought, I think most people would have thought, thought that in this situation where millions upon millions of people are losing their jobs every week, where we are dealing with a, a nationwide and worldwide pandemic, when now there are protests in the streets over horrific events in this city, the murder of of innocent people. I mean, there is, I mean, there is so much to be upset about right now. So many problems we are facing in this country right now in this moment. And for Major League Baseball to, instead of being a potential, not a solution to the problems, but a, a, a haven for us to get our minds off things, to have some entertainment, to have some normalcy back. Instead of that, They've been another source, and granted, not as important as those other things we talked about, but another sort of source of anger and consternation and upset and all that. And it's it's just frustrating. It's upsetting. It's embarrassing as a baseball fan. Um, and I, you know, I think a lot of us have kind of reached our wits' end with this. You know, I want baseball back. I want them to figure it out. I'll take whatever baseball I can get. But I'm so sick of this. I'm sick of both sides. I, again, I am staunchly on the player side. You know that if you've listened to this show. I am, could not be more on the player side rather than the owner side, but I'm tired of everybody right now. Nobody wins. There's no good and bad in this. They're all losers right now. We are all losers from it right now. And that tweet, you know, just uh, another example of it. And it is... Uh, it's infuriating. I'm infuriated. I'm, I'm so frustrated and upset by this whole thing. So... Speaking of that, um, Jesse Rogers um, yesterday put out a really good article um, just talking about kind of how we could do it. I want to go through it and, and talk about some of the ideas he has. Um, again, the, the title, as I mentioned before, fewer games, salary deferrals, where MLB and players and owners could find a middle ground in the 2020 season. The article. Is all of this recent acrimony between MLB players and owners real or the byproduct of the early stages of the 2020 season's negotiations playing out in the public spotlight? <laughs> Great question, Jazzy. That's a question we've all been talking about. Uh, he goes on. When recently asked that question, one baseball official's reply was yes. Yes, as in both things are true. It's with the backdrop of the sport continues to navigate a return to the field. Now that both sides have presented their others with offers, perhaps the real negotiation can start. Hopefully, Jesse, that is the case. Though the sides remain several miles apart at the moment. This is painting at least a positive picture of negotiations. He goes on. 
The league's first offer of a sliding pay scale based on an 82-game season was met with a response sticking to the full-rated prorated salaries but with 114 games. The players' assumption in offering more games is that the owners would make more money if more games are played. But the league disagrees with so many of those games likely to take place in front of empty stadiums. Which, again, I, I still don't get that. I really think if the owners open up their books, we'd have a lot more answers to these things. But you would think with the amount of money they can make off TV that it wouldn't be a net loss for them like they're saying it is. But who knows? And, again, without fans, it's not like they have to pay all these employees to come in and work. You don't have to pay for, for all the vending people. You don't have to pay for all this stuff. So who knows? And maybe some have committed to already pay those people. I know um, the Phillies have, have, are going to have some pay cuts. We'll, we'll talk about that later. But um, I don't know. Uh, that, that seems silly to me, but uh, I, their position, as the article goes on, their position is that playing fewer games means losing fewer dollars. I don't know. He says, it's hard to argue against ownership on this point because if playing more meant making more, then why wouldn't they look to do so? The owners back that theory up by bringing another potential option. The dialogue is a last resort. Let's play 40 or 50 games, but at the player's full rate of prorated salary. Can it work? He says, not likely. At least according to two players contacted by ESPN on Monday who couldn't speak publicly due to the sensitive nature of the negotiations. Players might simply feel the risk isn't worth the smaller reward a shorter season would bring, and not just because of COVID-19. At 25% of their full salary for 25% for a full season, risking arm injury that could linger into the future seasons becomes a risky gamble. And what if a player hits 180 over 40 or 50 games? Cold stretches like that happen all the time, even at very good players. What does this contract via arbitration or free agency look like in 2021? Look, these are real things. Uh, I get that. I get these these issues from the players, but at the same time, again, I think that's the thing that's being missed across the board with all these people is that at a certain point, you have to step back and talk a little bit about the greater good, the situation we are in in America right now. Suck it up. <laughs> Suck it up. Like 40, 50 games. Like, are you, are you kidding me? That's not worthwhile to you. And again, we all want more. I want more. Everybody wants more. You're saying players would be against playing 50 games? Like, show up. You still get paid for 50 games. You still have the chance to make postseason money. That's ridiculous to me. I, the arm injury thing and all that, look, you, you take that risk every year. Sorry, you do. And I know it's more so now with the way it's, you know, this is going and, you know, the, the spring training shortened and all this type of stuff, but that is an asinine argument to me. And again, I'm on the player's side, but do not back that up. Article goes on. Player compensation in baseball is built for large sample sizes. It's why something that would resemble a normal baseball season, such as the 82-game proposal, seem like a more desirable number. But ownership can't or doesn't want to pay the full freight for that amount, as we know. Then again, with the sport hanging from the side of a cliff, strong phrasing there, would a player's concern over the potential stats really prevent him from approving this plan? I would hope not. And the guy that hits 400 could be rewarded as much as the one uh, punished for hitting 180. Another good point. So, he says, if signaling a willingness to move on games is the first step in both sides offering an olive branch they could work together, what else could help get a deal done? This is where it gets interesting. This is some... Look, we've talked a lot about the problems and not a ton about the solutions. I've mentioned a few of these things that he's going to talk about, but... I think they're important to touch on maybe that this is, and look, this is what 
MLB and the players should be touching on. I'm sure they've talked about things, but this is where they should be. You know, they should be talking about these things to figure out a way to make this work. Instead of just saying, I want this, I want that, we're not meeting in the middle, work together, negotiate. It is crazy that this has been such an issue. All right, Rogers goes on. What else could help get a deal done? He starts with salary deferrals. The players first mentioned the idea of deferrals in their Sunday proposal to the league, but with some major caveats. They'll accept deferrals only if the postseason is canceled due to a second wave of COVID-19. It's been a fear for the owners. And only if they get full value on their contracts at a later date. The deferral, to be used only under the worst case possible, isn't likely to sit well with owners. But numerous agents and players have indicated throughout the process that they would listen on any proposal that included them. So perhaps a version of the deferral suggestion that helps get to a middle ground is out there. Maybe the players get a smaller percentage of their full prorated salaries now and then the rest when the revenue streams return. That is something that I've mentioned. I, I think that makes why, uh, too much sense. Like, why not do that? If the issue is cash now, look, we all know the owners are not going poor. We know they're billionaires. We know they've made money 17 years in a row. But if, if one bad year is why you don't want to pay these players their, their freight now, then defer it. Pay it down the road when money's coming back in. That makes so much sense. And I think the players saying they have to get, you know, with interest, that might be a little much. Like, it's fine. Like, you're not going to lose that much in interest that I think that's a fair line where I, I could see the owners pushing back. But ultimately, I don't know why deferrals don't make sense. This makes so much sense to me. It goes on. One sticking point for owners in deferring money is that 2021 has no guarantees for revenue right now either. And believe it or not, teams say they work on small margins from year to year anyway. Don't believe it. Sorry. Furloughs and the inability to pay minor league players are indications of such issues, even though team owners are worth billions. Even though team owners are worth billions. In any case, those deferrals would come due soon enough and most likely after at least two awful years economically for baseball. It doesn't mean it can't help be a solution, though. And look, again, like, this gets back to the whole heart of the issue of the owners crying poor. And again, it's just so hard to take it seriously. Billionaires, you own a baseball team. You own, you're one of the 30 people in the world or 30 families or whatever it is. Who gets to own a Major League Baseball team? If you can't afford to operate a Major League Baseball team year to year and and with it take on some risk, like when things happen, you got to be ready to deal with it, then you don't deserve to own a Major League Baseball team. This is not that hard. It's that simple. That's how I believe it. That's how I see it. That's how I feel. Sell the team. I guarantee you. You would have a line around the block of rich dudes who want to buy a team, or rich women who want to buy a team, or whatever. It would be. So stop crying poor. It's ridiculous. Deferrals makes a ton of sense. Look, defer it five years. How about that? You know, whatever. Figure out a time period that works with the players where they still feel like they're getting what they need in time and where you can afford to space it out over a few years, whatever it takes. This whole crying poor thing is driving me up a wall. Next section, he says additional revenue. Another advantage that a potential shorter season open ups for, opens up for both sides is the potential to bring in some additional money through options that might not be available under a plan that requires cramming as many games in as possible to fill out a schedule. Things that could generate more revenue in a hurry include a year of end-of-year home run derby, a skills competition, an all-star game, and of course, an even more expanded postseason, something both sides already agree on could help to make the financial picture more palatable. All sound great in for all those 
No-brainer ideas here. Make some extra money. That makes sense. Perhaps the final answer falls somewhere between 50 and 82 games. Or perhaps it becomes between the two original proposals of 82 and 114 range. If the two sides can keep talking, they're bound to close the gap because the alternative simply isn't acceptable. Yeah, from your lips to God's ears, Jesse, I agree with that. I, I really, I, I think that last statement makes so much sense. If the two sides can keep talking, they're bound to close the gap because the alternative simply isn't acceptable. I, I, I agree with that. That's the way I feel, as you could tell by the way I talk. The idea that money would be the reason for them not to have a baseball season when baseball fans need a season more than they ever have. It seems crazy. It seems crazy to me. And I do think that is unacceptable as he points out, but we also, as you know, and again, I don't know if there's a negotiating tactic or not in the public or whatever, but we hear about owners talking about not wanting to play this season because they're going to lose too much money. We just read segments here where he's talking about these owners crying tour and how playing 82 games is, makes them, is worse for them than playing 50. I mean, really? They're losing that much money this year. Having to pay these players are losing that much money. Really? Really? That seems crazy to me. It seems hard to believe. And then again, look, they're also furloughing people. They're cutting minor league players. All this stuff that is just... It's frustrating. Uh, The article finishes. Forget a hard deadline date to motivate the sides. Ignoring a country starving for something positive and uplifting would be a mistake the league can't afford and perhaps not recover from from years. We'll get into that more tomorrow. For now, the big takeaway is that the sides are finally engaging in this kind of meaningful dialogue. Now they need a breakthrough. So there's some optimism in there. It does seem like Jesse Rogers is saying that he doesn't believe that the alternative can happen because it's such a battle term, and he does imply that in his mind it could be devastating for baseball. We'll talk about that more tomorrow. Um, the idea of how devastating would it be? I think at the heart of it, the point he makes, the idea that we are, again, as I said at the top of the show, as I've said many, I mean, we are in the worst time in America in our lifetimes, you know, from a employment perspective, from a future perspective, from a life and death perspective, so many different things that, you know, again, people have been living in their homes for the last three months without going to work, without doing this, without doing that. I mean, lots of people, again, 40 plus million people are out of work. We have not had a sport since March 11th. I mean, think about that. It's almost three months since we had sports. Any sport. And Major League Baseball can't get out of their own way. Can't step back. I mean, where are all the smart people involved here? Where are all the people who are stepping in and saying, Hey, guys, I get it. You're far apart. You want this and you want that. I get it, but are we seeing the full picture here? Are we looking at what can happen if we can't figure this out? And I do disagree with Jesse's point about hard deadlines don't matter. I think they do. I think at this point, I mean, these guys just keep going back and forth. I think you need to set a deadline. And Rob Mamrins needs to say, all right, June 5th, June 8th, June 10th. That's it. We don't have a season if we can't get done by then. And force action. I mentioned this the other day, but Andrew Brandt always says, of course, the NFL former uh, um, um, front office person for the Green Bay Packers uh, talks about the business of sports. He always likes to say deadlines spur action. 
deadlines cause people to do things to, to move to the middle because it's a deadline. I think that's where we're at. I mean, you can't just keep letting these people volley back and forth in the public arena and just keep taking shots at each other and keep, you know, offering these nonsense plans that they know have 0% chance of being accepted by the other side. Again, I keep going back to this, but the whole point was we will negotiate in good faith. At no point has this been a good faith negotiation on either side. At no point has either side been willing to yield. The owners made a huge mistake saying the prorated salaries if they're back in March. They screwed that up. They should have been more clear because they clearly had no intent on doing that, right? I mean, that's where we're at. Or they just didn't think about it, in which case they should be punished for that. And they should take that. Regardless, they should take that. But that's beside the point. The point is that at a certain point, you have to yield a little bit. Both sides. You have to say, hey, all right, you know what? This is the most unique situation in the history of baseball we've ever faced. We need to maybe be willing to yield a little bit on both sides. And again, I think the owners are so in the wrong throughout this whole process. You know, again, I think they screwed up by giving them the parade salaries, but they did. They said they'd do it. Like, that's on them. The uh, Players have a leg to stand on there. But at the same time, the players need to step back and say, all right, let's work with them. We want our prorated salaries, but hey, we'll defer some. How about that? Hey, we'll do other things, which they've said. They said they'd do, be open to the home run derby or this or that, like whatever. Work. Instead of just offering each other a proposal and saying, here's our thing, here's our thing, talk, negotiate, say, all right, well, how about this? If we do this, maybe you could do that. And we can kind of meet, meet in the middle. This is not that hard. It's, it's just, I'm, again, in case you can't tell, I'm incredibly frustrated by it. Um, and look, we're going to keep talking about it. We're going to keep arguing about it. But they're, they're up against it, man. We are close. We are the, originally, June 1st was supposed to be the, dead, the drop dead date. And they you know it's been pushed. It was a soft date, apparently. Whatever. But like, this is not, you don't forever figure this out. And again, if it's a 50-game season, maybe you have more time, but. The whole process has been just the worst. Um, before we get out of here, I mentioned it before. Um, and again, tomorrow I want to talk about how devastating it would be for baseball. Because again, I've heard both of this. You know, Rogers points it out. He says, you know, it would be a, something you might not recover from for a long time. Um, and I've heard a lot of people say, people will come back. Kidding me? Strike a 94, people came back. People always come back. I want to debate that. I want to talk about it. Buster only wrote a really good piece about it I want to get to. So tomorrow we'll dive into that. Um, quickly, I mentioned, I said I mentioned it. Um, the Phillies have uh, jumped into the fray in terms of having to make pay cuts, and they they had done a really good job paying people through May and all that. But um, um, from uh, uh, John Middleton said he expects the Phillies um, in an email to full-time employees on Monday, Middleton projected losses of substantially more than a hundred million dollars in 2020, and announced salary cuts for anyone on the business or baseball side of the organization who was going to make at least ninety thousand dollars. And I think that's you know. Look, that's happening in every country, company across America. I mean, and the, that's a solid living people are making. I think that's you know, it's acceptable. It's understanding. Middleton also informed employees uh, he would forgo his salary for the rest of the year. That's obviously nice. Um, and uh, so that's where the Phillies at. I do appreciate that they are trying to not cut jobs, it seems. They're trying to do everything they can not to. I, I really appreciate that. And I think the Phillies have 
done better than most. Look, the A's got rid of all their minor leaguers. You know, I mean, let's let's be real. I mean, there are teams that are really doing a bad job with this, and teams like the Phillies that are doing a good job. And I understand this. You know, those are the right type of cuts you have to make. I still, again. $100 million you're losing, really? I mean, that's shocking to me. If Again, open your books and prove it's true, and then I really will have some sympathy for it. Even though, look, not, you know, there are a lot of people who have a lot tougher losses to deal with in America, but at the same time, that is substantial. But um, And look, if that's true, then again, I, I do think that it just makes it that much more difficult to figure out where we're at and how they're going to get there because, you know, if the owners are losing that much money and, and don't want to have a season, there are owners who don't want to have a season, which, again, is wrong. You should have to take the hit to to do the, what is right in this situation. But that is, you know, it is a lot. So, um, look, tomorrow we'll dive into the devastating thing. How devastating is it for baseball? I think it's a fascinating discussion. Like, because um, I have pretty strong thoughts on it. And uh, I think that I could see a lot of people going either way. So we'll dive into that tomorrow. We'll continue to react to what we hear and have news as it comes. And um, continue to hope that baseball gets out of their own way. So until tomorrow, stay safe, stay healthy, and thank you for listening to another edition of Phillies Today right here on the Phillies 24-7 Network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.